Our Bible reading this morning comes from uh, 1 John chapter 1, that's the first letter of John. Uh, If you're not familiar with finding that, it's one of the tricky little books to find in the New Testament. Not John's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, One of the couple of easy ways of finding it. One is to start at Revelation, that's the last book of the Bible, and work backwards. Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John. Or... Failing that, you can go to page 1225 in the Pew Bibles. Page 1225, 1 John chapter 1, the first four verses. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, uh, Nigel. Well, Happy New Year. Well, there's a great pause there. Um, but you, you got the idea. It's great to be with you um, again after the, the Christmas uh, uh, and festive uh, and uh, 2019. Um, has come and and gone, hasn't it? And uh, I don't know, it was a turbulent year, wasn't it, for us as a nation? Uh, What about for us as a church? Well, I think as I was reflecting on this the last couple of days, I was thinking how busy it's been for us. As I look back, we saw the launch of the additional morning services, a lot of change. Uh, We had the the St. John's Big Welcome uh, outreach in the summer and lots of other things going on. So what about 2020 as we, as we look forward now? Uh, maybe personally you've made some uh, New Year's uh, resolutions and I wonder how they're going. Um, but what about us as a church? What's going to be our, our focus uh, for 2020? And I think after a, a busy year, um, what, I, what I want us to focus on um, this year is are growing in discipleship. That's part of our vision, one of the three strands, growing in discipleship, seeking to go deeper uh, in our walk with Christ, led by the Spirit. So a lot of our focus over uh, the next few months is going to be around small groups and some changes there through uh, looking at prayer and around the weekend away, um, which uh, is coming up in March. Because, you see, God wants us to to grow. Yes, he wants us to grow numerically, but he wants us to grow in maturity, in maturity in Christ. And so that's very much going to be the focus for us uh, leading into this this coming year. And in January, this for three sermons, just a little mini-series to introduce uh, the growing in discipleship focus, I want to focus on three basic aspects of life in Christ. And today we're going to be thinking a little bit about what it means to know Christ, knowing Christ. Next week we'll be thinking about worshipping God. So knowing God, 
Worshipping God and obeying God uh, are three things that we'll be looking at in January. Um, But let's first of all uh, uh, begin in prayer. Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you for your words. Uh, We pray that you will help us now, by your Spirit, to understand it and apply it to our lives, that we may know you more deeply. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So please do keep your Bibles open at uh, at 1 John. And uh, what I want us to do is to explore four things that our passage uh, says about knowing God that I think are absolutely fundamental, foundational to our, our discipleship. And the first one of those is no salvation is by grace alone. No salvation is by grace alone. Know that. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Jesus here is called the word of life. Uh, and uh, by that, we're not just being told that Jesus has life, uh, and we're not so, so much being told that Jesus just simply gives life. It's more specific than that, because in that uh, uh, verse, it talks about uh, Jesus bringing eternal life. Do you see that? This is salvation, and Jesus is the way to that eternal life. Um, It's this that makes Christianity so completely different uh, from any other religion or philosophy that you will come across. I mean, uh, uh, an aside, um, this week you may have noticed on the news there's ethical veganism is now being classed as um, a philosophical belief. You may have seen that. Uh, Not really sure what ethical veganism is, somebody will tell me afterwards, but you can have a philosophical belief. You, you can, and what, whatever our belief system is, whether it is uh, ethical veganism or whether it's uh, transcendental meditation or whether it's one of the more traditional Islam, uh, they're all based on trying to find eternal life by doing things, by trying to be better to to do this or or to to do that, to try and connect with the divine by by reaching some sort of higher level, a higher plane, in order to get closer to the eternal life, to nirvana or to paradise or whatever it is called in that particular system. And Jesus and Christianity is not like that in the slightest. And that's really foundational. Uh, John... 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the word of life. He's not just another prophet, another sage, somebody to, to give us a way to save ourselves. No, Jesus Christ is God coming to save us, to save you and to, to save me, because we can't save ourselves. Jesus is life, the word of life, eternal life, as it says here. That's absolutely foundational. Now, some might say 
Well, that sounds, sounds quite heavy, it sounds quite dogmatic, it sounds quite doctrinal, uh, and uh, I'm not really sure I can believe in this kind of incarnation. What really matters to me is that I try and live a good life. But when, we, when actually we say that, we have to realize that that in itself is a, is a dogmatic statement. Your doctrine is, I'm not so bad, I don't need a saviour to give me eternal life. I can pull up my socks and try and be better and be a good, a good person. If, you, if that's you, you, we, you need to realise that that is a doctrine. And in Christians, Christianity calls that the doctrine of salvation by works rather than by grace alone. And that's not Christianity. If you're living by that doctrine that says what matters is I live a good life, I try a bit harder to be good, to do good works, what will happen to you? Well, two things could happen to you. One is that you could finish up in, with fear and insecurity, the kind of feeling that I'm never quite achieving, never quite making the grade or making the mark. That's one direction. Or, or it will make you go the other way. You'll be filled with pride and a sense of superiority. The feeling that you are good enough, that you're better than all those other people. You see, one is kind of marked by a kind of self-loathing, and the other is marked by a self-satisfaction. And actually, sometimes we find that in ourselves, we switch between the two um, within the space of hours. And you see how, therefore, how essential, how absolutely basic, how absolutely fundamental belief in Jesus Christ Grace alone is. He didn't come to kind of give us the, a kind of pet talk so that we could try and be a better, better person, to give us a, some advice or some sort of code to live by. No, no. John tells us here that, that Jesus is life. Life itself has appeared. Eternal life, salvation. And John wants you to know, wants us to know just how historical this is. It, it, it's, it's historical. And he's really emphatic about that. Do you notice it? He says, which we have heard while we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we became, we have seen it, testify it. And the language there, the scholars will tell you that, that what John is doing is he's effectively giving a witness statement. It's kind of like a witness statement, almost like sort of swearing by, I seen it, I saw it. It's not something I concocted and made up. This stuff really happened. Jesus was born, he lived, he died, he rose again. This is not some sort of heroic legend that we can kind of get some tidbits about how we can live our lives. This is basic. God coming down to save us is an act of grace alone. Nothing we can do. Is grace alone. And that's the first thing, really fundamental about knowing God. So important. Knowing God starts with understanding and seeing that it's salvation by grace alone. And I suppose for us, as we begin a new year, have, do we know that? Have we received that for ourselves? Do we believe it? Have we accepted that gift for ourselves? Knowing God starts by knowing grace alone. But secondly, um, knowing God is about fellowship with God. Do you see that in verse 3? 
we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. See, the whole point of life, the whole point of having eternal life is that we might have fellowship with God. It's not just to be some sort of intellectual, abstract thing, or even to obey God in a kind of cold, detached way from the divine. It is about to know him personally. Knowing God is about knowing him personally, having a relationship with him. And it's through Jesus that that we have that relationship, because normally we just can't approach God. Um, Think about it like... um, this, if you were to try and to look at the sun, you know how difficult it is to look at the sun because of its brilliance and its glare, it would just blur you. You can't really do it, can you? Um, it's so bright. If you try and do it, you might even you know, damage your eye. You shouldn't really do it. So what do you need? You need some kind of filter, don't you? You need some way of um, something between you and the sun in order to help you see the sun. You need to look at it through something else. And of course, that's exactly what we see here, what we have in Jesus. Because, because, because God became a man, we can see his glory. We can see the way um, that otherwise we wouldn't be able to see because it would just simply overwhelm us with his beauty and his holiness. You see, when we look at Jesus... When we look at Jesus, when you read about him in the Gospels, uh, what do you see? You see God in human form. You see his humility, his kindness, his compassion, his, his love. You see his wisdom and his, his ability to teach. And just you see all the different characteristics of, of Jesus, who is God. God in human form. And as you see that, he becomes Someone you can relate to, isn't it? Not some kind of thing out there, but someone you can know. You can really know God, not as a concept, but as a real person. Someone who John says here walked with, he talked with, he touched. You see, God went to enormous lengths, didn't he? To get to near us, to get close to us, so that we can have a a fellowship with him so that you would know him personally. So as we begin a new year, what's our response to that? The great length that God has gone to to get to us. Well, surely our response should be to seek him and to be close to him in prayer. It's such a, again, a basic fundamental to our discipleship. Uh, and of course, some of us maybe are avoiding God because... There are things in our lives which we know that actually he wouldn't be pleased with. Perhaps some of us are, are thinking, well, no, you know, where is God? I don't think he's that close. But God is close. He has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God has put tremendous effort, hasn't he, in coming to us uh, in human form to be close to us. And so, therefore, for us, it should be a fellowship with him. Intimate fellowship should be about what desiring and wanting to be close to him. Do you want to be close to God in prayer? Sometimes I wonder whether we do. That's a challenge, isn't it, for us in our discipleship. Knowing God is about fellowshipping with him through Christ. Not just knowing stuff about him, but knowing him, knowing him personally. Now the third 
um, thing about knowing what it means to know God and knowing God is to know the extent of God's love for you. Really know the extent of God's love. Uh, Verse 1 says, That which was from the beginning. Interesting phrase, that. It mirrors what's in John um, 1. And when John write that, writes that, he, he doesn't mean that it's, it's the beginning of this particular story. No, he's saying that, that the beginning of time, isn't he? He's taking us right back. Before time itself, the word of life was already there. And this is where it, gets, it, it starts to blow our minds, isn't it? Jesus pre-existed creation, time and space. He was there at the beginning. He was there at the beginning with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. You see that in verse 2. The life appeared, and it says at the end, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now, um, John, more than any of the New Testament uh, writers, gives us more about the Trinity uh, than any other. This is, is really very important. With Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there from the beginning, not created, uncreated, that which was from the beginning. Now what that means is is that there is relationship within the Godhead. It means love existed within God himself. It pre-existed. It's intrinsic to who he is and what he's about. Christianity says that God is a communal love. In himself. There is one God. And in that one God there are, has always been three persons. I know it's, it blows your mind, doesn't it? Those three persons have known each other and have been knowing each other and loving each other and adoring each other from all eternity and will continue to do that for all eternity which means that there is relationship, there is love within God, which means love was before the world. Love created the world. The world came out of love, and the love is redeeming the world too. Love is not just some sort of created thing, that's some sort of chemical reaction in in our heads that means that we love. It's there. It was there before the beginning. Why did God come to earth? Why did God come to earth? Why did he do all the, this incredible, uh, go to all this trouble to become something that could be seen, that could be heard and could be touched and tasted and interacted with? Now let me um, uh, explain it like this. In 1961, I wasn't alive. But some of you will have been. (laughs) And uh, the Soviet Union um, put the first man in space. His name was Yuri Gagarin. And when he landed back on Earth, the Soviet um, leader then declared the cosmonaut had gone up into space but hadn't encountered God. And... Lots of people thought, oh, there's another, you know, another win for the atheists. There's no God up in the heavens. 
Well, at the time, um, C.S. Lewis, who of Narnia um, fame, who you may have heard of, wrote a response to this, this article. It, it was called The Seeing Eye, and he said this. If there is a God who created us, you couldn't find him by going up into space. We would not relate to God in the same way a man on the first floor of a building relates to another man on the second floor. A man on the second floor and a man on the first floor, how do they find each other? Well, a man on the first floor goes upstairs. There he is. That stands to reason. Now, if God is there who created us, He wouldn't relate to us, Lewis goes on, in this way like a man on the first and the second floor, like the cosmonaut was doing. He would relate the way Shakespeare relates to Hamlet. Don't worry, this isn't going to get too highbrow or anything. You see, because Shakespeare is what? He's the author. He is the creator. And because he created Hamlet and he created Hamlet's world and universe entire world, the characters in that world could only know about Shakespeare if Shakespeare writes some information into the play about himself. You see, Hamlet can't find Shakespeare by himself, can he, going up into the the top of the Globe Theatre and having a rummage round The only way is if Shakespeare decides to write something in to the story. And so Lewis says the only way to know about God, to know God, is not by going up into space, but only if God has revealed himself in his world. Now a good example of this, uh, Lewis was really good friends with a, a lady called Dorothy Sayers. Uh, she was one of the very first uh, um, uh, women who graduated from Oxford. Women were only allowed to go to Oxford very late on. Uh, and uh, she wrote Detective um, Mysteries, um, not so famous these days, um, about an aristocratic amateur sleuth by the name of Lord Peter Wimsey. And she was, by her own admissions, quite a recluse. And she was, by her own admissions, not an attractive lady. She was on the record as saying that. But halfway through the, the series of short stories about uh, Lord Peter Wimsey, guess what? A new character appears in the story. A woman by the name of Harriet Vane. And guess what? She just happens to be the first woman who had graduated from Oxford. She also happened to be a writer of mystery fiction. She was also particular, not particularly attractive And she and Lord Peter, whimsy, fell in love, solved mysteries together, and lived happily ever after. Oh, that nice. Now, uh, a lot of Dorothy Sayers scholars believe what she did was she was looking into the world she had created, a world that she had authored, and looked at the man she created and fell in love with him. And wrote herself in to the story. Because he was lonely. 
And she solved his problems with herself. Do you realize the, the, the claims of Christianity as infinitely more wonderful than that, infinitely more loving than that? Because Christianity means God looked into the world, he created, he authored, he saw the drama, he saw the mess that we were in, and he wrote himself in. He revealed himself into his world. He wrote himself into the world as the word of life. Jesus Christ, not just to kind of embrace us, but to die for us, to save us. That great and glorious God who is, who is beyond, who is divine and splendor, full of splendor and majesty, came down because of love for you and for me into a smelly world, a smelly manger that we've just been celebrating at Christmas. There was a baby. He, he lost his glory so that we could be made glorious. He lost his life. The word of life lost his life so, he, so that we could have eternal life. So you could have eternal life. That is the extent of God's love. Look at what he did for you and for me. Know the extent of this love. Knowing God really is about knowing him, fellowshipping with him, and knowing the extent of his love for you. And finally, that leads to knowing the joy that comes from knowing God. And you see that right at the end of the passage. We write this to make our joy complete. You see, if we start to let uh, these things that we've already said about knowing God, knowing these foundations of knowing salvation by grace alone, knowing it brings fellowship with God, the living God through Jesus Christ, knowing the extent of his love for you, that he should come and he should die for you. When we start to see that, it, it melts our hearts. It, it gives us a lasting jo- joy that just sort of bubble, should bubble up within us. It doesn't mean things are going to be easy, but there's joy, there's deep joy. God punched through reality and he became real somebody you could touch somebody that you could hear somebody that they saw and it brings tremendous joy so the as we um, begin this year of discipleship knowing god is going to be so fundamental so important for us so basic to the christian faith knowing his salvation knowing it is by grace alone knowing that fellowship with god comes through christ alone knowing the extent of his love for you that he died for you and through that you'll know an unbelievable joy that comes shall we pray god our father we um, come before you and we thank you that you have made yourself known to us through the word of life We thank you for your word, the Bible, the written word, and the testimony of John. And we pray, Father, that you will help us to see the depth of what it means to be saved by grace alone. It isn't about us, it's about you. And thank you that we have fellowship with you because of Jesus. Show us more, we pray, the extent of your love. Reveal it to us, we pray, that it may shape our whole lives 
that we may know this joy that comes through it. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.